Hey everyone, welcome to the Playing With Power podcast, the issue by issue retrospective on Nintendo Power Magazine. I am your host, Ben, and with me as always is my co-host, Mike. Hey there. And you're joining us for September of 1996, that's issue, or volume, I should say, 88. And this is uh, probably one of the bigger issues of the year, because we finally get the Nintendo 64 launch in America, in the United States, North America, I should say. And uh, we've got Super Mario 64 on the front cover. We've got uh, Bowser breathing some fire uh, on, on his own hands, apparently. Don't even see Mario. <laughs> it's yeah. an odd cover. And he's got those coked out eyeball veins. Yeah. They could have done better with the cover, I, I will admit. Yeah, and there's a whole lot of blooming, so... It's like they're trying to make up for the lack of detail by making everything bright and shiny. Mm-hmm. It's not, Mario it's launches, not Yeah, Mario launches the fun machine. Ten-page exclusive. Wow, that sounds like his porno. Yeah, I'll never forget this month. This month was... Um, I'm going to get a little nostalgic here. But this is around the same time I actually dropped um, Nintendo Power reading it full-time. Because they didn't have enough good coverage of Nintendo 64 leading up to it or during it. And I went for a different magazine I saw in Barnes & Noble. Uh, It's called Next Generation. And it had like a nicer cover, nicer layouts, a lot more detail. And um, on the front cover for this month was, was just a picture of Mario jumping up in the air. And it said, the greatest game ever made on it and I was like oh I'm sold but uh, I'll never forget walking into the Toys R Us that summer of 96 and um, seeing this thing for, for, for the first time so I had seen sort of like a, a preview tape uh, leading up to it where it was like um, they took video of the show in Shishinkai at the Tokyo Game Show or whatever it is and um, I watched that thing like over and over and over again about uh, you know Super Mario, Wave Race, etc. And then to finally be there and you know have it in my hands, have this controller in my hands, uh, it was amazing. I had like butterflies in my stomach. I mean, I had like goosebumps, literal goosebumps playing this thing. I mean, I hadn't really been exposed to like anything 3D prior to that because I've lived overseas. It wasn't really exposed to like the PlayStation or um, anything like that. So for me, this is like whole new territory, you know. And you get control over this little joystick type thing. And um, so I was like head over heels over the moon for this. You know, I had pre-ordered my my um, uh, Nintendo 64 along with Mario at the Toys R Us. You know, desperately waiting for it to come out. And yeah. Nintendo Power just wasn't wasn't doing it for me at the time, <laughs> so I, I ended up uh, switching magazines, and um, I think I still kept my subscription for a little while longer. But this is basically this summer is when I stopped reading Nintendo Power and started reading something else. It just wasn't so, enough Nintendo for you. And not only that, I mean coming back from living overseas, you know, only having read Nintendo Power. And, you know, you can kind of see this year has been 
a, a good way to show like how little Nintendo was putting out prior to the Nintendo 64 coming out. And then to come back and find out that, oh, oh, by the way, there's all these other video game systems out there. And there's like tons of games, new games that are coming out for them at the same time. Did you know that there's you know? a system that was based on Nintendo's design, but it actually uses discs? I had no idea. I had no idea. I really didn't. The PlayStation, um, the PlayStation, the best Nintendo product that it never claimed. I was so uh, Nintendo like loyal, you know. I knew about like Sega, but I didn't really, know, I didn't even know that Sega's um, Saturn was a thing, really. Um, but yeah, I didn't know a whole lot about it, and so I was like, oh, so Nintendo is only reporting on Nintendo things. Meanwhile, like I want to learn about these other games, even if I don't have the systems, I want to learn about them, you know. So that was another reason too, was just not enough uh, information, even on their own stuff. So that's me. For uh, so you yeah. got to play the uh, the N sixty four in August, or was it later in the year? No, it was it was um, August or earlier. I can't remember what month, but they had a demo unit up in Toys R Us before. Uh, the system was launched that you could play. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't get my hands on it until December of 1996, mm-hmm. and I know that because that's when I had an op- the operation on my spine mm. to straighten up my scoliosis. And when I was in recovery, they had an N64 in the children's hospital where I was, and the worst part was that I had to share it. <laughs> But it was when I finally got time to uh, play around on the Bobomb Mountain, throw that guy around, find Bowser. Uh, it was just such a great... Like, this really gave me time to to get into that game. And it's the reason I knew, like, what I wanted for Christmas, besides, you know, being able to walk again on my own, mm-hmm. was getting this thing for my recovery. And I think I had to wait till my birthday to get it. But, man, I enjoyed the hell out of that Mario 64. Mm-hmm. And then Shadows of the Empire, and then... I think I... Like, I was so limited, I had to... Play Ocarina of Time, like... Like a rent play. Where you give them, like, a dollar or two. And you can play it for, like, 15 or 20 minutes. Oh, yeah? And that was my experience with Ocarina of Time, and I just didn't have enough time to get into it and like it mm-hmm. so I kind of like gravitated towards the PlayStation but having recently played Ocarina of Time on the on the 3DS as well as uh, playing the port the N64 version on an emulator I can see why it was uh, why it was well liked it was pretty darn good I still think mm-hmm. Link to the Past is better but this was definitely nice ways to explore uh, 3D and not look yeah. completely awful doing it. Yeah, I would. I would concur. All right, well, let's uh, let's stop wax, waxing nostalgic and get into the issue here at hand <laughs> and talk about an issue from 1996. Forget yes. forget the nostalgia. And let's talk about the past. Let's talk about what was really happening in '96. So, uh, flipping on in, we've seen this advertisement before. This is the coach. Uh, showing his ass to us. Yeah, Don. So to skip past that. Don Rickles slash Tommy Lasorda slash the guy uh, Dick Van Patten. 
with the side of uh, Rodney Dangerfield thrown in. Oh yeah. Hey, you wanna you wanna see my fastball? Hey, fastball. That was my name in college. <laughs> Hit it to the moon. Hey, I'm shooting my ass. Get it? Anyways. All right, on to the uh, table of contents here. We've got Nintendo 64. Your perspective is about to change. And they have just a full spread of the console with the controller. And they'll be covering full coverage of Super Mario 64, Pilot Wing 64, Realm for Super Nintendo, Kirby Superstar Part 2 for Super Nintendo, Donkey Kong Land 2, Diddy's Conquest for Game Boy, Pinocchio for Game Boy. And then they have uh, special features, which are kind of like preview, previews of previews. Um, they have the Nintendo N64 launch coverage, Cruising USA update, Turok Dinosaur Hunter. Um, they have a little little feature in there. And they have something called Player's Choice for Game Boy, which is the discounted titles for Game Boy. And then they have full previews for Donkey Kong Country 3, Dixie Kongs, Double Trouble, Prince of Persia 2, and Maui Mallard. Plus more! Oh, this is interesting. Did they miss out the... Uh, oh, the scan is all off. They did some scans out of order here. Alright, we'll have to figure this out. So, looks like it starts off... The player's pulse starts off with this issue beats all. Mike? Does that seem right? Oh, wow, yeah. The player's pulse is definitely fucky. But we'll work through it. I, uh, yeah, so I guess we're, so we're not going to do it in reading order and talk about the power charts? That's not normally in that order. No. Uh, no, look at the page numbers on the bottom. I know, but I don't want to bounce back and forth. <laughs> Boo. Boo, you, you sir. What if someone's reading the printout? Oh. <laughs> uh, well, fine. Well, if, if you're a fan reading the printout, how, why haven't you ever commented on our Facebook page? We'd like to hear That's from true. our fans. Yeah. So, you know what? We don't think you care, so why should we? <laughs> you know, I actually thought about like, opening like a, a Discord channel for like the... Um, for the fans and us to like talk. For all two, think anyone, for all two yeah. fans? No one will use it, though. Yeah. So I'm looking at the any the Super NES Top 20, and something throws me off. I'm looking at number 14, Final Fantasy 2, and it says months on the chart, 10. Now this game came out in 1992, that was four years ago, and there's more than 10 months in between four years. And then I'm we thinking number of months it has been on the charts, not been out. Yeah. So that means it was, it was nuked off of the top 20 at a certain point. Oh, so it's not accumulative; it's consecutive months. It's not; it's cumulative. So it's if you're on the chart one month, that gets you a month. If you're mm. off the chart the next month, no month added to your month time chart. Yeah, because then Final Fantasy three, which came out more recently, was twenty one months on the chart. Right. People liked it better. Hmm. Okay, so and then we get treated to the top five Kirby games, which is Kirby Superstar. That is what you are. Kirby Blockball, Kirby's Pinball, and Kirby's Dreamland <laughs> 2, and Kirby's Dreamland. Like, you're not reading out the Super NES Top 20? And we gave it, we gave it enough attention. <laughs> Number five, Super Mario World 2 <laughs> for Super Nintendo. 
Number four, Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. Number three, Donkey Kong Country 2. Number two, Chrono Trigger. Number one, Super Mario RPG. And on the Game Boy, we've got number five, Super Mario Land 2, six golden coins. DKL2, Diddy's Conquest at number four. Number three, Tetris. Number two, Tetris Attack. And number one, The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. And the Virtual Boy Top 5, number 5, Mario Clash, number 4, 3D Tetris, number 3, Golf, number 2, Mario's Tennis, number 1, of course, it's Wario Land. The only decent game on the system. Kind, yes. of, kind of like Crazy Taxi for the Dreamcast. <laughs> oh, did you take that back? Soul Calibur's amazing. <laughs> and Shenmue? Wasn't it on other systems? No. Huh, I may have to download that emulator then. Well, I think they came out with a, rem- a remake, I think. Do you know Crazy Taxi is now an app on the phone? Yeah. Have you played it? Of course. It's okay, right? Like, not yeah. great. That's I mean, how you remember it. Except for you don't actually drive the cabs. But you do get that, you, you do get the Offspring soundtrack, so yay. You do drive the cabs, what are you talking about? No, on the app you just dab them and the cab drives to it and then delivers them automatically. You no, spend most of the money no, making no, no, you're on... playing the wrong one. You're playing the wrong one. There's multiple versions of Crazy Taxi. One of them is the legit port. What? Yes, wow. there's like City, City Rush or something, which is like a, a crappy version of it. And then there's like the real one. Okay, so Player's Pulse. And we will read this <laughs> in order. So the first page, this issue beats all from Mohammed Quasar via the internet, which really sounds like it, like that would be like, uh, if there was like a 30s Muslim Flash Gordon, that would be a great name for him. I mean, wouldn't it be uh, great if people weren't racist cocksuckers back in the 30s and that you could see like a diverse array or diverse ray of, of f- other foreigners in space besides just like white men cruising the stars and banging aliens? Be nice if people weren't racist today. Forget 1930. <laughs> what do you mean, racism? Look, look, everybody gets the vote. That's when racism died. I don't know what you're talking about. And it sounds like you're just being an immature snowflake. (laughs) Anyway, Captain Quasar says, I just received my latest issue of Nintendo Power, Volume 86, and it was awesome. I really love the Beat the Boss article. You should make this a permanent section in NP. Also, you should offer strategies to beat bosses in old games like Mega Man X. And they say beat the boss will make a comeback, but don't expect it every month. Michael Stoops, via America Online, says, You should expand Player's Pulse even more. Every month, this is the first section I turn to. Please don't print short letters that totally agree with your magazine. Please stop coverage of Virtual Boy due to the fact that it is very unpopular with me and my friends (laughs) and every living thing on this planet. Return the power charts to two pages. It was much cooler before. Now I can barely find it. Good job with Epic Center. It has really gotten me interested in RPGs. You know, you make me want to stoop, baby, stoop, stoop, baby, stoop. <laughs> he seems okay. This guy seems on the level. Yeah. And Every living thing on this planet. Ouch. I can't believe they <laughs> printed that. Yeah, they... This shows that something, if they did have anybody filtering this mail, they weren't doing Mm. such a great job with it. Right. But 
what they do, what they did get in the mail was fantastic artwork, where we see uh, the skull from Killer Instinct, Samus, uh, what was it, Jax or Ajax from Mortal Kombat Three, mm-hmm. Earthworm Jim, Yoshi, Chrono, uh, dragon of some kind. It must be that uh, that flame tank dragon that Chrono beats when he's escaping jail. We see Frog, Diddy and Dixie, Mega Man, Mario, and like basically a uh, a preemptive Smash Bros. lineup. Mm-hmm. And it seems to be in this apocalyptic background or nuclear wasteland because everything is tinged green. But isn't that Ripley in the back? It could be. And then the other guy you mentioned is uh, not Ajax; it's Reptile. What the Reptile was greener. But everything's green here, so. And then we get to see, like, that was just a, uh, it's good artwork. Uh, could, a little dark. Yeah, a little dark with the theming, but excellent penmanship. You can't mm-hmm. deny that. Then we get a close-up of Chrono. And you can just tell it's Chrono because it says right on there, Chrono Trigger. And that's all you see. And if it didn't say Chrono Trigger, you'd think it was Nestor on PCP. <laughs> And then we get to see Princess Zelda, who looks like she's wearing cleaning gloves, and she found the Triforce, and she's like, there's no fucking way I'm touching this with my bare hands. She just polished it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, she ju- Yeah, well, that's, but that's why she was wearing the gloves, because she took it out of the, that acid solution that, sh- that shines mm. pennies. <laughs> and we get to see Princess Zelda, the name scribbled in the moon, very nice. And this artwork is just fucking beautiful. It's got plenty of glare, perspective, shading. This is not a simple job. This is mm-hmm. definitely worthy of being printed. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, yes. And then finally we get to see a pencil crayon coloring of Boyer from Super Mario RPG. Perfectly rendered, clearly traced. It's not an original pose, but you know what? As far as tracings go, this was a damn good job. Mm-hmm. Ian Wright from Herndon, Virginia. I'm just glad you didn't say hard-on. From hard-on, Virginia. (laughs) Says, I think you've been spending just a little too much time on the N64. Don't get me (laughs) wrong. You think? I'm thrilled with the graphics and everything, but it hasn't even been released. Also, in Volume 86, you only (laughs) reviewed three games and now playing, and only one got a seal of approval. Someone's on the ball. However, I still think Players Pulse and Classified Info are great. Keep up the good work in those departments. <laughs> oh, love it. <laughs> that's, and, a nice, uh, that's a nice backhanded compliment. They have, a, they have a response. They said, Some months, tons of games come out. Other months, only a handful. As for the solo seal of approval, what good would it be if we handed one out to every game that came out? That's a fair response. Mm-hmm. Arena? Ah! I already own a NES, Game Boy, and Super NES. The only other system I want is Virtual Boy. Don't. I don't want an N64. You fucking idiot. I like better <laughs> graphics, but I don't want to buy a system for them. What, what the fuck do you think you do? You think you but pl- they want a Virtual you think, Boy? You think you stick a plug inside a cartridge to give it better graphics, or you need a better system to put them? Mm. I think that Epic Center should be greatly expanded, but I would get rid of Arena. Okay, now you're starting to... Okay, now you're coming back to Earth. Besides reminding me of games I want but don't own, it's also a place for good gamers to brag. No offense. 
<laughs> by Josh Lippert via the internet. Mm-hmm. All right, Joey Gibson via the internet. Says, who's who's like totally your... who's totally the cousin of Debbie Gibson? Mm. <laughs> why did you Why did you mention that? No relation to Mel, though. <laughs> I like your magazine and all, but you need more fun things. Well, I mean funnier things, like making fun of games that are just insane to even be put on the market. You have a lot of information and everything. It's just that there isn't really anything that catches me and won't let me go. I'm sorry to insult your magazine. I like it and all, but I just had to tell you that. Uh, do you know what an insult is? <sighs> this guy? I mean, he's on the internet, and he doesn't even know what an insult is. No. Come on. Come on, Joey. You got to up your game. Yeah. Website bummer. There's only one problem regarding your online resources. Everything good is on America America Online. All the chats with Mr. Miyamoto and Ken Griffey Jr., the online games like Blood of the Chozo, and all the other stuff that I never got to take part in are only on America Online. Anyway, to get to to the point, is there any way... Oh, yeah, this is where I got to scroll backwards now. Yeah. Is there any way you could have some of the neat AOL stuff on your Nintendo website? And they respond. Oh, that's by Jeffrey K. Sizzk, who apparently is so poor he can't afford a vowel. <laughs> he says, we'd love to run an interactive story or celebrity chat at www.nintendo.com. But technical difficulties, example, old browsers, <coughs> Netscape, would shut out many an internet traveler, and we sure don't want to do that. As technology improves, so will our site. Count on it. Wow, it's ironic that they're basically calling America Online the the the, the tip of the spear in terms of uh, <laughs> the web technology at the time. Considering it's, you know, the most complete in- dinosaur. The most inclusive and supportive platform on the internet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the platform we should run on, Mike. Make America Online Great Again. <laughs> Malga. It's happening. We need to reinvest in Angel Fire and GeoCities. These industries... They were the backbone of this nation. We need to bring them back. We need to remember our heroes. We're going to build the best firewall that's ever been built. (laughs) And we're going to make Mozilla pay for it. We need a cyberspace force. (laughs) We need to have the best hackers with the best VR goggles and the best digital guns that money can buy. Why am I turning into fucking Kennedy? <laughs> chowder. I said chowder. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see here. There's Next n- one. I just got to mm-hmm. say, there's nothing like a drive downtown to clear your head. <laughs> Especially when it's a young woman being driven off the cliff. <laughs> and they're not reporting her death minutes later. Oh, uh, wait. That's what my brother says. <laughs> oh, wait. My bad. George Wright, or George Wrong, we'll find out soon enough, <laughs> via the internet, says, when I finally got the chance to check out your Hold website, on, what's I the must... name? Hold on, name the article. Nothing dinky here. <laughs> when I finally got the chance to check out your website, I must say I was shocked. I was expecting a dinky little thing 
that ha that basically just had all the articles from the magazine typed up onto a computer screen. But what I got was something else. In the section about Super Mario RPG, which is a fantastic game, that little twirling star above the Mario logo is just the best. I don't know why, but I sat for three minutes watching the star twirl. Welcome to GIFs. Then I ventured into this fantastic little place called Classified Info. Trust me, this thing tops all. No more searching through boxes and boxes of old issues for codes. So of course, I subscribed right away to get all the codes. I can't be happier. The only complaint I have is that in this section you kind of overdid it with the frames. It's kind of squishy and hard to see everything. But other than that, the classified info code make is bliss. The Nirvana of Nintendo gamers. Well, he actually used Nirvana outside of a grunge music reference. Mm -hmm. Good for him. Oh, too bad. Like, it would be nice if we could get to... Uh, wait, we got the Wayback Machine on the internet, so would it be possible to see what the old Nintendo websites used to look like? Oh. I, I, don't, I, I doubt they go that far back. Someone would have had to save a, uh, uh, a screenshot from that day. My guess. Hmm. The graphical revolution. I can't believe how much things have changed from the NES to the N64. The NES with its rigid graphics and ugly sound effects to the N64 with smooth 3D graphics and symphonic overtures. I have been a loyal subscriber and reader of Nintendo Power from Volume 1 with the clay Mario figure holding a mushroom on the cover. Now I look at Volume 86 and there's N64 coverage. It's amazing how over seven years and two months, graphics, music... Graphics and music have undergone such dramatic makeovers. By Nick Pagano from Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. That, he's not wrong. I mean, that's a short amount of time for that wild of a change in the industry. Yeah, you know? several generations. Yeah, I mean, that's really fast to go from the quality of an NES game to the quality of an N64 game. And speaking of excellent graphics, these envelope arts... Wow, we got Chrono Trigger and with all the crew and a nice pencil crayon postcard looking thing. And then we get to see something clearly traced, which was Super Mario RPG with Gino, Mallow, and Mario in front of a nice starry background. And then more original, like mid 90s Rob Leefield, well not almost almost Leefield, whoever whoever one of Leefield's contemporaries were. Like a mid-90s comic-style battle pose with the gang of Chrono Trigger, looking very angular and angry. And they're whole holding their weapons up high, ready to charge an enemy or shouting, NINTENDO POWER! And there's Robo cowering like a little robo-bitch. And then we get to see Dixie and Diddy hanging around underwater with no apparatuses, so they are about to die. <laughs> And then we get to see Chrono looking very pleased with himself, kind of reminding me of Trunks from Dragon Ball Z. And then we get Mega Man X saying, X and Zero saying, hey X, where are we going? We're going to, and then we've got the address for Nintendo Power, which is a, mm -hmm. a great little gimmick, and the drawing here is fantastic. Everything is small, but very highly detailed, so mm -hmm. there's some talent in this. All right, next letter. Power Pucks from Ryan uh, Lemur 
from Rochester Hills, Michigan. I was wondering if you could run an article about NHL 96. It is the best sports game I have ever played. Try to include some code, codes such as for secret sports teams. And they responded, feast your eyes on classified information in volume 87 for some of those super secret teams, Ryan. Those crafty code jockeys at Electric Arts, Electronic Arts snuck a few surprises into their smash hit Puckfest. The contest question. Can non-subscribers still participate in the Players Poll Contest every month? By Aaron R. Droller via American Online. And they say, you bet! <laughs> Groovin at E3. From Elaine Palmer of Los Angeles, California. I had the great opportunity to attend the recent E3 show in Los Angeles and played the Nintendo 64 system as well as other notable systems currently on the market, such as the PlayStation and the Saturn. I was very impressed with the N64. There were long lines of each of the N64 stations where guests anxiously awaited their turn to play Super Mario 64, Pilot Wing 64, and other titles. No doubt about it, interest was very high at the Nintendo E3 booth. What a blast to have been part of the whole experience. I also had a chance to meet and talk briefly with your online game counselors, who seem to be great folks and very personable. Although I was a guest of Philips Media, I felt like a kid in a candy store and now understand why Nintendo Power is always very excited about the E3 shows. It was the opportunity of a lifetime to attend. Oh, I wonder if they rejected a paragraph that she mentioned about the CDI. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Or this could have been the beginning, where they're just like, whoa, Phillips is interested in us? Hold on. Maybe a different meet Phillips. I don't know. Is the Phillips that did the CDI, is that two L's? Or am uh, I thinking of Phillips screwdrivers? Uh, I don't know. But um, Phillips Media sounds like the guys that made the CDI. So. Interesting. Nope, you're right. It's the guys that made the CDI. Ah, this was the beginning. Uh, and here we get a reference to a song. I'm so Disney, my head is spinning. Volume 81, grand prize winner Dan Tiempo of De Plain, Illinois, where there are the worst Nazis, went where no gamer had ever gone before when he won a rare peek behind the scenes at Disney Interactive. It turned out, though, Dan was most impressed by a 64-bit plumber just off the plane from Japan. He spent two hours playing Super Mario 64 before heading out to Disneyland where he and cousin Chris DeLiva caught the new, the hot new Indiana Jones ride in Adventureland. And we got pictures of them jamming out to uh, beating the King Babam with a little mm. Burger King crown on top of the TV. This kid and, looks so bored playing it too. Yeah, he doesn't look embarrassed. He looks more impressed by the cave he's in with his cousin in the bottom pick. <laughs> The kid is happy as can be, but this yeah. kid looks like he's got the sun in his eyes, despite the fact that he's in a cave. I think that might be in line at Disneyland. I've been on that ride. It, it's like you just get on these like big Jeep things, which are on like a track. And like the whole time, it's just like jiggling you up and down. And just like, if you, there's all these like warning signs for like, if you have a bad back, don't go on this ride. Well, yeah. And if you didn't before, you will by the end of the ride. Ha ha ha. What's suspension? Suspension? Ha <laughs> ha! All right. Next section is 
a whole uh, article about the launch of the Nintendo 64 uh, in the United States and Canada. So they're talking about uh, what's coming out. Here's the initial launch titles. So they've got uh, the list here, Blast Core, which they barely talked about at all. Cruising USA, Killer Instinct Gold, Mortal Kombat Trilogy, NBA Hangtime, Star Wars, Shadows of the Empire, Tetrisphere, Turok, Dinosaur Hunter, Wave Race 64, Wayne Gretzky's 3D Hockey. And uh, this is, not sorry, not launch titles. These are post-launch. So this is what's coming soon? They don't say when. It says soon. And then we get to see a uh, a Toys R the Toys R Us stand that you mentioned yep. before with the with an with a hard plastic bubble dome and the very rigid holders holders mm-hmm. for the controllers. And I remember this thing, and it had been around in Toys R Us for months, but there was always a massive lineup. So whenever I visited, I was always in tow of someone else. <laughs> So, I never had time to wait in line, which is why I had to go get fucking spine surgery before I could get my chance to play this thing. <laughs> oh my gosh, they call this thing the Nintendo Power Pod. Uh, they're also talking about that you can, this isn't the only way you can, also, you can try it out, you can also rent the entire system at a Blockbuster video store. For $16.99, you get everything you'll need, including the N64 control deck, all the necessary cables and cords, two controllers, instructions, and your choice of a game pack. And now we get to see the guts inside this thing. Why is, why is it called the N64 in the first place? Well, the CPU is a 64-bit RISC CPU, customized MIPS R4000 series, with a clock speed of a whopping 93.75 MHz. Memory of 36 megabit DRAM, Maximum transfer speed, 4,500 bits per second. So couldn't you say 4.5 kilobits per second? Mm. And coprocessor, integrated SP, sound and graphics processor, and DP, which does not stand for what John would think it is, which is (laughs) pixel drawing processor. 64-bit, 62.5 megahertz. They couldn't bump it up to 64 megahertz, get that thing going. Mm. The resolution... Maximum, 640 by 480 dots. Mm. Really? You couldn't call them pixels? Flicker-free interface mode support. The color, red, green, blue, and alpha. So, Ben, what color is alpha? It's transparent. Ah. 32... (laughs) How opaque it is. Ah. Your alpha transparency. 32-bit RGBA on-screen color support, 21-bit color video output. And we got the graphics processing, the Z buffer. Well, now we know what the Z button is for. Anti-aliasing, so no Jennifer Garner series on this. Realistic texture mapping, trilinear mipmap interpolation, perspective correction, reflection mapping. And then we get to see at the bottom a whole range of different colors. A crack team of artists and engineers at Nintendo collaborated on the sleek and chic N64 case. The controller's groundbreaking design, and handbreaking as well, allows characters to move freely in a 3D environment. The analog control stick gives you, preci- gives you precision game control. You know, you could have put another button on there and replaced those damn camera buttons. No other <laughs> system has anything like it. Yeah, because they looked at this result and they said, we need to keep trying. Yeah, it's it's uh, 
trident-looking uh, controller that was odd-looking when it started, when it came out. You know, it kind of looks traditional if you're holding it from the sides, and I think that was the intent. But the fact that you have a joystick in the center, and then you have a third handle in the center to grab, it just like invalidates the need to hold the left handle at all for very specific games and a hidden button underneath yeah yeah i mean it's not a it's not a bad idea but it's more like a prototype for what would become like the you know xbox 360 controller or something like that well the playstation had uh did the playstation ever have the two buttons or was it just one analog stick and then the playstation Um, i'm pretty sure playstation 2 did the playstation 1 only had one analog stick they didn't have any at first it just had the the D-pad on the left, and eventually they came out with the DualShock one, which basically mimicked having, um, like, it was supported by certain games, if you had them. It had both sticks, I believe. Uh, and that was when they realized, oh, yeah, that's how we do it. And But, I mean, it's, it wasn't like every game supported it, so it was kind of worthless to have until you get the PlayStation 2. And that's when it really shined. Yeah. Man, that was just, like, probably one of the best, like, in the top three best systems ever. Oh, yeah. If you guys, if anyone out there really wants to know more about the Nintendo 64, I would advise you to go look up uh, Ben Hecht's uh, N64 Teardowns, where he basically compares it to other systems at the time and tells you, you know, how it, how it functioned and operated. The N64 was um, difficult to write for, to code for, because you had to... And it's difficult to emulate too because um, you had basically to write the GPU um, every time you made a game. So you had, to, you had to write the engine for it every time you made a new game, which makes it incredibly difficult to uh, emulate. So anyways, he's got more information about that and way more technical and, and knowledgeable. But that's kind of the end of this section here. It's got a nice blueprint of the S64's dimensions just and, from the bottom up. Yeah, and they explain some of what the tech means, like what anti-aliasing does, alpha mm-hmm. blending, CPU, microcode, reality, coprocessor, and a whole bunch of other things. So that's, I mean, like, this is an excellent readout. If you ever have time to read this issue, like, it's great to see that they were willing to share so much and really... Make sure you understand why this thing is impressive beyond the fact that, oh, Mario has polygons now. Mm-hmm. Like, th- this lets you see what's under the hood and what makes those polygons work. All right, speaking of polygons, let's move on to the first feature game here. It's Super Mario 64. So this is the game that uh, changed platformers forever, I'm going to call it. Yes, I know there were three platformers in their systems at this time and before it. But those are irrelevant. I'm telling you, irrelevant. This is it. This is the one. This is the one that did it, where you have a joystick now, and you're moving a character in a three-dimensional plane uh, in real time. And uh, there were just a, a whole slew of clones after this of 3D platformers to attempt to uh, recreate this, this magnificent game. I think it holds up pretty well till today, actually. I mean, the graphics definitely have aged, but as far as, like, playing it itself, I think it's held up relatively well. Well, they did overhaul the graphics for, uh, didn't they, for Super Mario 64 3DS? They did. You're right. 
I will say what they didn't really know what to do with the camera at the time. So there's this whole novelty where you have to control the camera as well, and they did it with those four buttons, the four yellow buttons, directional buttons on the right-hand side of the controller. Because they never thought that anybody would just want to use a stick to rotate the camera left or right or maybe tilt it up and down a bit. That, or maybe they were trying to save money in the controller. Who knows? Uh, I guess they were trying to make it simple. (laughs) Those analog sticks are expensive as fuck. They've only gotten enough. They can only afford one. (laughs) <laughs> that might be true. They were trying to keep their price point and make money off of it. You never know. Those second analog sticks, I mean, j- just shut the fuck up. Get out of here with that noise. My guess is they, they felt like probably not every game needed a camera, so they but they wanted to have the buttons as well. So that's that was their compromise. Well, oh, if you want to use them for other things, you can. But if you want to use them in camera controls, you can. So that way you can still do like fighting games with it, you know, like 2D fighting games. So, uh, they're giving you an overview here of all of his moves. So he's got a slide tech, you can pound the ground, swim now. Um, I know, it's novel, you don't die when you hit the water immediately. <laughs> you can do a back somersault into a wall. You can do a wall kick, jump off the wall. You can th- pick up and throw things. You can do a giant throw. This is mainly just in boss battles when you grab onto Bowser's tail. Which is still pretty awesome, because it's finally the first time you can actually touch Bowser. And um, they don't show you a screenshot of it, but there's a way to do the slide attack, but have it so he's, like, kicking at the same time. So it's you kind of do, like, a smash slash slide and you can do like a, a jump kick kind of thing it's pretty cool and then they tell us about the princess secret slide and uh mario's getting a flame suppository by bowser <laughs> where is this where page, are you looking at page 23 how far around you go it's on My the, goodness it's, it's at the very top of the page you like skip to the end of the section Well, yeah, there's not that much in here besides, you know, specific level information, like how to stomp the Womp King. Yeah, well, they're going over the castle. You open up the main room, and there's different doors to different uh, areas. I thought you were summing everything up. Yeah, I'm going going through it here. Come on. Super Mario 64 deserves a little bit more, more respect and time than just skipping right through it. Is this the full coverage or just another preview? This is the full coverage. This is it. Well, they're going right. to be continuing. They're going to be continuing this. You know, going to be squeezing this uh, thing for all it's worth of the next five issues. <laughs> yeah, so you open it up, and you, and you kind of have an open world at this point. You're able to open um, different doors. Not right from the beginning. You have to earn a certain number of stars before you can unlock certain doors, um, which take you to different different worlds essentially. Worlds are presented in the form of um, pictures on the wall, paintings. which you can jump into. Yeah, paintings on the wall. You can jump into them, and it takes you to that level, basically that stage. And we get a, and, lo- and we uh, get a lovely wave effect when you jump you through do. them. Nice little fade. It tells you how many stars are remaining, which ones you've gotten, um, all that kind of summary information, and um, and voices. We finally get to we when you go through each painting, you hear wah, 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 wah. here we go. Yeah, that's right. Mario has has voice sounds now. You have some from uh, Peach. I think that's it. I don't think I hear Toad, do you? Oh, I hope not. 
No. Fuck, he never speaks in anything. He's just like, wah! Okay! <laughs> but yeah. Um, so, oh yeah, we forgot to mention one thing. The, be, the very start of the game, before you even press the start screen, there's just a big 3D um, picture of uh, Mario's face. And uh, this must have been some kind of tech demo, but they included it in the start menu. You can control a little hand and start grabbing pieces of Mario's face and controlling them in a 3D. You can stretch his face and squeeze it, basically. You, you really get to test those vector graphics. You do, and then you can you can hold on the but, a button to make him stick, and then you can let the button go, and they all kind of jiggle around until you, he gets back into his usual spot. Yeah, you get to spin him around, make him dizzy for a bit. You can pull his nose up between his eyes and... Yeah, you get to rip his mustache not off, but you get to tug it and find out. Oh, yep, yeah, it's it's not a fake. It's it's really in there. Yeah. Um, anyways, back to where we were. So the first level is called the Bomb Battlefield, and this is the uh, most traditional looking level you'll see in this game. It's got like the green grass and like sort of the dirt um, siding to everything. You've got the bombs in it. You've got um, what else? You have a chain chomp is in here. Goombas. And, um, Goombas are in here. The Bob-Omb's, the little Bob-Omb's, and then you finally get to meet King Bob-Omb, and boy, he, mm-hmm. it, the, this, ain't, this ain't your old, this ain't your regular Bob-Omb. Mm-hmm. So you've got, uh, you can shoot yourself out of a cannon in this, you can um, climb up trees, you can go flying in the air, um, all kinds of stuff. So there's all these little, like, pu- it's almost like puzzles you need to solve. It's not necessarily just, um, you know, tricky um, uh, skill that you have to do. It's also puzzles. So, like, for Chain Chomp, right? The whole deal is that you have to pound the post to free Chain Chomp, and he thanks you by smashing a nearby cage that was imprisoning a star as a thank you. But, of course, if you want to get near Chain Chomp, he might bite you. So... Yeah, you're gonna, you, need, you need to keep moving, because as soon as he sees you, he hauls back and charges at you. So when he hauls back, you better not be standing where you are already standing. Next level is called Womp's Fortress. And this level feels fe- uh, features Womp's, um, as well as um, Piranha Plants, and um, Bullet Bills, more cannons. It looks like uh, one of the little castles in um, Super Mario Brothers, I want to say. Just from like a, a big picture perspective. So this involves more heights and platforming than the previous level does. And um, of course, you gotta find sort of the secret stars. The last level, as you mentioned, is the princess's secret slide. Uh, what is this? Oh, this is, I don't think this is a, uh, you don't get a star from this, right? Now you're going two stars on the slide, one for simply making it through to the end and the other for making it in less than 21 seconds, which means that you will be jumping over railings and th- only through trial and error will you realize where you can actually jump to stay on the rail or just plunge into the void. Okay, so it's not a, it's not a big level, it's just a slide basically. But if you jump through the princess's portrait, that's how you get there. Yep. So they're going to go over the next levels in the in future issues, including, um, let's see here, it's whatever the snow level is called. Yeah, chill penguins level. 
Yeah. And it's just a negligent mother who is telling you to find her baby rather than her actually navigating this world that she's acclimated to because she's a fucking penguin. No, she's going to ask the guy who's not wearing a winter coat, can you spend your time fucking around here? I don't think Mario has the heart to tell her that uh, her baby is with Homeland Security. (laughs) She's being detained. That's what you get for that's what you get for coming to the North Pole. <laughs> yep. Next game, Pilot Wing 64. We I feel like we talked about this game so much and there's nothing else to yep. say about it. We've got Nestor and Chester on the cover and that's about it. Yeah, I just it bothers me so much that they call this guy Lark. Oh. Oh, they finally acknowledge it here. His handle is Lark, but everyone in class knows this guy is Nestor. Huh. They actually admit it in the magazine. We have acknowledgement. Official acknowledgement. It's canon now. Woo! So, who's Titty? Uh, Her name is still Robin. (laughs) Although, she's got some questionable hair. Yeah, I don't know what's happening there. It looks like she's baking bread behind her head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have no idea. Alright, so there's some extra games you can get in here. You can fly with wings, like literal wings, and it's it says fly around as a bird man. There's something called a jungle jumble hopper, which are like uh, spring-loaded boots. You can be uh, fly with a cannon... And you can skydive. You, of course, part of the game is to take pictures. Um, you can watch whales. I mean, it's just like a big tech demo of flying around on a 3D space, basically. So, oh, you can get fly a gyrocopter. Whoop. There you go. It's, it's a game, everyone. Pilot wings. If you- <laughs> <laughs> if you need a launch title that badly and you can't wait a couple months for something else, here you go. Oh, it turns out you actually have a fighting mechanic. There's a uh, level for Class B certification for your gyrocopter, and the last one says Mechahawk, a gigantor-sized robot, is running amok in the heartland of Little States Island. Five mm. missile hits will fry his circuitry, but keep in mind that this rowdy robot has his own arsenal and is extremely dangerous. So this tech demo actually has a boss battle. Huzzah! But fuck that. Now it's time to go cruising. Yeah, yeah. For the USA. Yeah. So I remember this game came out. Um, so I didn't really play it in the arcades much, but it's a it's a port of the arcade game with slightly less impressive graphics, and uh, it's it's plays just like the arcade. Um, I remember renting this. I don't know if I owned it ever. I uh, definitely rented it, at least. And uh, playing with friends. It's a lot of fun. There's not a whole lot of um, replayability to the game. It's got some fun music and graphics. You have like these girl, hot girls with trophies like dancing in front of the screen every time you win uh, a race. Trophies holding trophies. Yep. Um... So, there's some, some pretty badass music. Ooh, and there's game. a car here called the Italia P69. Mmm, and La Bamba. I wonder what the P or... stands for. <laughs> <laughs> the, 
The hammer is my penis. <laughs> yeah, so anyways, it's, it was a fun game. There's not a whole lot of replayability to it. It's just kind of stupid fun. You can drive into cows and cop cars and all this kind of stuff. It's very arcade racer type feeling. There's not a whole lot of skill involved. Um, you can either do a campaign by cru cruising across the entire USA and going every stage in order, or you can just pick a level, any level you want at any time. So this whole coverage is kind of going through the different cars that are available to you. Um, none of them are, are that different to actually handle. Um, and once you beat them, you can actually start playing as, um, you can start unlocking, once you start beating the campaigns, excuse me, you start unlocking additional vehicles. So you can get a Jeep, you can drive a school bus, you can drive a cop car at the end. So that's all pretty fun. So does it hold up well today? I think I still have fun playing it, but I mean, I played it back then. So I don't, I don't think anyone today would be like, oh, check out this game that you never played. This is awesome. They're going to play it and be like, what the hell is this? This is garbage, you know? Um, but uh, it, I enjoy it still. It's like, uh, we talked about Crazy Taxi earlier. I would say this is like a good prequel to Crazy Taxi. Gets you used to wild, gets you used to wild road conditions. Yeah. I'd say it's like a prequel to Crazy Taxi. And then we get to see Rockin' with Turok, which is a prequel to first-person shooters. No, I mean, it's it's the first first-person shooter for the Nintendo 64, put it that way. It's an N64 exclusive. Um, and I just love this first screenshot here, where just like a velociraptor is like just about to chomp on a, on a big bullet here. <laughs> he's got his mouth wide open and there's just a pistol pointing he, right at it. It looks like he's a neck and a jaw. Like there's no head. He is just like a snake <laughs> with arms and legs. Yeah, I would say the closest thing this game comes to would be like Halo. Honestly. Um, you get ever it's so it's interesting. It's not just a shooter. It's also a platformer. Um, we'll get into that in a little bit. But um you go, you're, you're, you're hunting, um, is, is this is based on a comic book series or the idea is that it's based on a comic book series, might not be literally based on a comic book series. And it's sort of like a futuristic slash prehistoric world. And, um, you, you see, Trox mission is a shoot fest in, involves tracking down pieces of the Chrono Scepter, a device that can bridge the gap between the lost world and other dimensions of the universe. So I don't know what the hell that means, but basically you're walking around through levels, finding stuff, killing lots of uh, robots and um, big monstery things, and of course dinosaurs. And you have a ton of different weapons at your disposal. You know, some of them are just knives and you know old school shotguns. Other things are very futuristic beam type, wave type things, and. Um, the whole thing is presented in sort of a grainy um, 3D format, and there's like this mist all around. And they talk about the mist here, and what they don't really get into telling you is they have this ever-present mist there because they weren't able to get um, the draw distance to work correctly. Um, so what that means is that you can only see so far in front of you at any time. So it's super frustrating 
going through this game and trying to like plan out where you're going, especially without like a map or anything. Um, and um, try and see what's coming up in front of you because there's this like wall of like, they call it mist basically, but that's the edge of where the game's rendering. Um, <laughs> and uh, they basically tell, oh, it's this cool like, you know, environmental effects, but they actually do admit like, you know, that uh, they, they're trying to render on the fly and it's like the maximum what they can do. They're trying to sell what Konami did with Silent Hill. Mm. So, but it's it's not just enemies, it's every, you know, it's everything becomes, you know, sucked up into this mist. It makes it difficult to see far in front of you. Um, and they have some decent screenshots here, but it, you know, you can, a good example of where it doesn't work out so well is on page 38 here. Um, where you can see just like a, a hallway, basically a forest hallway with like the only thing in front of you is the dinosaur and there's just nothing behind him. Boy, that like, is a Where lot are you of, headed? That's a lot of blood. Like you just cut this dinosaur in half. Right. Like, where are you headed? I have no idea. I'm going down this corridor. Yep, which is I apparently, am. they're apparently, uh, corridors and jungles. With Ro the, rocks to the left of me, cliff wall to the right. Here I am stuck in the middle with the dinosaur. Yeah, and they're apparently, uh, you know, flat edges in the, in the forest as well. As you can see the the screenshot lower there. So, it, it this and um, I'll, I'll mention a little bit more. They'll do a full feature on this, but the platforming of this is awful. I mean, it's just awful. It makes the game so frustrating and atrocious. Uh, I mean, I remember being frustrated with it back then. So you have to constantly look down at what you're jumping as it's so unforgiving and then do like these platforming steps. Right. Platforming in a 3D space, which is always great not. It's fine if you can see like your character in a third person perspective, see where their feet are. But from a first person perspective, it just doesn't work. I mean, in my opinion. So that's Turok Dinosaur Hunter. They'll get into it more. Um, I know they just re-released it for the Xbox One, I think. Um, as just a, like a straight-up port, not a remake. Uh, I don't think it's aged well. But there are there are like three of them, right? I think there's like three of these things. I don't know. I never followed up on it. <coughs> I played them just because my friends had them, but I don't think I ever owned one. All right. Moving on into classified information. Killer Instinct 2... We've got uh, moves for Gargos, uh, otherwise known as. What'd you call him? You Gargos? Called him. Uh, oh, Firebrand. Quest. Yes, Firebrand. And uh, Ken Griffey Jr.'s winning run. You can unlock uh, extra teams, which is. Let's see here. Colorado Rockies versus. The uh, Devil Rays. Devil Rays? Okay. You can maximize your team's abilities in all areas. You can slow um, the opposing team to a crawl. You can randomly pitch against someone else. For Spawn, for Super Nintendo, there are some stage select passwords. Killer Instinct for Game Boy, there's another stage select um, code. Star Trek... For Game Boy, it's uh, you can also do a stage select. Time to Adventures for Game Boy, there are bonus games. 
such as basketball, tug of war, or soccer. Tetris Blast. You can skip to a stage with a given password. See a trend here? Doom. You can upgrade your weapon. Get the chainsaw in the nuclear plant stage two, then fire off all the ammo for your best weapon. If you hold the fire button as it empties, your gun will upgrade to the next weapon. Oh, interesting. Huh. Bassmaster's classic. Bass, anyone? Uh, they have a Pro Edition password. This one takes you to the final day of amateur competition on Lake Calabasas. Gentlemen, tie your lures. And then for Metal Combat 3, they have a whole slew of combat codes. Um, basically to make adjustments to how you're playing, such as winner fights Mataro, player two at half energy kind of stuff. Hmm. Okay. Um, how, much far, how much farther do we want to get in the first half of this? Uh, we are at... Till, till the uh, poster? Well, we're almost halfway there. Yeah. Okay. Let's get to the poster. All right. Realm for Super Nintendo, our next feature game. It is Shocker, Shocker from publisher Titus. The only publisher apparently still making games for the Super NES, aside <laughs> from Nintendo, in 1996. So what the hell is Realm? Uh, uh, Realm is like a poor band's Contra. Yeah, it kind of looks like if Vegeta took the place of Kirby. And instead of, like, sucking up enemies, he just blasted them. Yeah, I watched a little... Um, I didn't play this, but I watched a little video review of it. And it's pretty difficult. It's a run-and-gun type game. Um, stories non-existent, really. You play as a, a, um, a young cyborg named Biomech. Wow. Yeah. That's fucking and terrible. The art's okay. Um, action's okay. Everything's just kind of okay about this game, you know? It's just not worth it. It's not worth playing. So they're going over all the uh, different levels here and weapons and whatnot. But, uh, yeah. We get, the big, fin- we, get skip. A, we get a final face-off against what's basically a, uh, a flashing Gundam. Yeah. Okay, next up, Kirby Superstar. That is what you are. We're getting into more games in this mega game game. And they've highlighted the ones they're going over. Super Offensive and... I can't read the one. <laughs> oh, the Great Cave Offensive. And what is that, the Road Warrior? Kirby Road Warrior? <laughs> Super Offensive is where Kirby goes through Africa and just like only inhales like black people. <laughs> <laughs> And then, oh yeah, Revenge of the Meta Knight. So these are different levels. Uh, okay, the Great Cave Offensive. This says, the biggest treasure hunt in Dreamland. Go for a high score as you try to find all 60 treasures hidden inside the Great Cave. This adventure may take several hours to complete, but you can save your progress through the maze. So they show you um, coverage of a level that looks very similar to Green Hill Zone from Sonic. <laughs> and um, where to find different stuff and where the save point is. You can warp to an underground area with uh, ice in it and a minecart. It all looks very Kirby-ish and cute and fun. Speaking of super offensive, if you uh, look at page... 
Wow, they don't even have a number for it. So I'm assuming it's page 54. We get to find an enemy called Stone Slap. And boy, does he look... <gasps> boy, does <Wow>. he look... <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh, my God. This looks like... If you ever seen those old Looney Tunes where whenever they yes. show, like, a black kid or anyone who, like, was too close to dynamite when it exploded, mm-hmm. this is what, basically, you're looking at. And Kirby has to fight him. Mammy! Oh, boy, is he ever. This is... <laughs> it's a black it, face if I've ever seen it. It's just a black face. It's literally blackface. <laughs> The, the personification of blackface. Oh my god! You get to fight the spirit. You get to fight the angry spirit of Al Jolson. <laughs> All right, and then there's the next level they're covering is or world or whatever. It's called Revenge of the Meta Knight. Uh, the evil Meta Knight is terrorizing the countryside with his mechanical floating. Floating fortress. Kirby must find a way to destroy the ship and end the reign of terror. So this is a traditional platforming level uh, that you're fighting bad guys and guards and whatnot in a relatively uh, futuristic ship. Looks quite lovely. The the <laughs> the mini boss is is called a heavy lobster, and they call this section the the lobster dinner. And then they show you the meta melee, so the meta knight. Yep, and but uh, we get to fight two wispy woods, and that section is called environmental impact. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. So it looks it looks like this is like a fun game, little little cute yeah. stuff. If you don't yeah. mind the massive monument to institutionalized racism. <laughs> Yeah. And we cap it off with a... Well, is, is, is it a great poster? It's kind of okay. I think it is. Yeah, I think it's awesome. We got Turok Dinosaur Hunter fold-out poster here. And you've got a combination of 3D um, art and uh, 2D illustration here. Melded together uh, wonderfully. You've got Turok with his sort of futuristic metal bow... Um, and his nipple in the center of his chest. <laughs> He's got a gold medallion on, and his long flowing hair, with his uh, feathers in his... And, and a single ab. <laughs> yeah, really, have you ever seen anybody with a single fucking ab? <laughs> this is fucking terrifying. He has a keg. <laughs> oh my god. He's got this... a gross in there. Oh my god, it's like someone took a, like, carrying cases for your sunglasses and he decided, I'm going to smuggle this inside his chest. <laughs> like, he's yeah. like the least convincing dope mule to, to try to get past security. Yeah. That is odd. I, I don't know what they were thinking there. But, I mean, if you can get past that detail, then it's the, a pretty sweet poster. The center nipple and the, and, and the single... One ab. <laughs> the nipple's looking at me, man. The, the nipple's looking at me. It's like an innie. So it's like an inverted nipple, but I guess they couldn't make it too perky. Yeah, it's one of those ones that's like swollen from like too much use. Like when you're <laughs> breastfeeding. 
Well, that probably probably explains the pained look on his face. Yeah. All right, let's go ahead and call it for the first half here. Uh, if you'd like to find out more about the show, you can visit our website, playwithpowerpodcast.com. There's links to our Facebook page where you can interact with us. To our Twitter account where you can follow all of our posts from Facebook, since we hardly ever go in there ourselves. Um, you can see um, links to all that stuff as well as to our Patreon. And yes, if you'd like to support the show, there's two ways to do that. One, for no money, you can go onto iTunes and rate and review the show. And then two, if you'd like to donate some of the money and get, get some exclusive access to some content, you can go to patreon.com slash playwithpower. But mostly you real, uh, you get to keep the lights on and let us keep hosting this show. Correct. So, thank you. If you want to see other things, let us know and we'll, we'll look into doing them. Yeah. Or if you have anything keep... you want us to do or not do, feel free to contact us. We will respond. Yeah, because we are not getting that many responses. We're like, don't worry about like the deluge of, of fan response. Nope, never have to worry about that with the show. We always have time for you three people. We actually have like fifty subscribers. You know that, I, and then the rest of them come like afterwards. We're getting over a hundred downloads an episode on the Ooh. regular. It's just so- shocking to me. We don't really have a whole lot of interaction. The only people we've interacted with have become, like, almost full-time co-hosts. Sheldon and Ivan, you're out there. All right, you want to do your plug for your stuff? Sure. If you want to hear more of me, you can check out the Graveyard Shift Horror with Sheldon and Mike, where me and previous guest on this show, Sheldon Brown, regale you with tales of horror movies. We watch a horror movie every week. We talk about the good, the bad, things that just make us say, what the fuck did we just see? And we often throw in hilarious skits, like fake deleted scenes, or we just do nice, cold, open intros. So there's always fun to be had on the Graveyard Shift. And you can also check out Technobabble, which is on the Geek Fallout Productions uh, podcast feeds. Wherever you find podcasts, find that there. You can also check out the Facebook at that same place. And you can hear me and Rich Reader talk about technology, science, chemistry, amazing breakthroughs, and by smart people, read by not-so-smart people. (laughs) And if you stick around on this feed, you can enjoy the taste test, which is me, sometimes Brandon, and I guess now Ivan, whenever I can get those people to talk. And we play actual Nintendo games and talk about them. How about that? A Nintendo Power podcast with actual Nintendo gameplay experience. Woot. And sometimes a skit. Yeah. And if you want to hear more from me, I do my own podcast called Repeat One. It's uh, music you can listen to on loop and the stories behind them. Just go to www.repeat.one for more information there. All right, thanks everyone for listening. I'm Ben. And I'm Mike. And now you're playing with power. The Nintendo Entertainment System. Now you're playing with power.